We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. It is game day. Lakers versus Clippers tonight. Can the Lakers finally get back in the win column? Losers of three straight and just two and eight in their first 10 games. Yikes. Lakers fans are not happy and even less happy after news broke yesterday about the Lakers potentially not using their first round picks in a trade to try to save this team. I want to break down what that's all about. Plus, are the Lakers actually waiting for one specific trade target to come out onto the market? We'll talk about that a little bit. And I've got some fan questions and comments that we'll finish out the show with. Some leftover questions from the Lakers post-game show from the loss to the Utah Jazz. It's going to allow us to ping through a lot of different Lakers-related topics. So we're going to dive into it. But first, quick reminder, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Make sure you turn on those notifications as well. And over on the podcast side, really appreciate all the positive reviews that have been coming in over on Apple Podcasts. Keep those rolling. If you haven't done so already, give us that five-star rating and review. Help us out over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into it. So first and foremost, the Lakers won't make a trade. Now, this is, I'm not saying that is a statement. That is a question. Will the Lakers not make a trade? Shams Tarania uh, yesterday gave a report and said that the Lakers, they're probably looking at marginal changes around the edges at best. The organization seems to be moving in a direction where they're going to resist moving first round picks if the season continues to go down this path. Now, Lakers fans on social media, particularly over on the Twitter sphere, we're not super thrilled with that, uh, particularly saying, what, what do you mean if they continue to go down this path? So you built a team that is not capable of winning right now, not capable of competing. And if they're not winning, then you're not going to make a trade to help them win. So you built a team that's not capable of winning. And then you're holding that over their heads that, well, if you guys aren't winning, then we're not going to do anything when the front office is the one that put together the team. I get why that's frustrating for Lakers fans. And look, you're also not necessarily wrong with that dynamic. I mean, look, this there's so much going on here and so much to break down. But ultimately, this comes back to you've got so many players that are just on veteran minimum contracts. It's hard to build out any real depth 
for this team, which is clearly needed. I mean, look, we're 10 games in. LeBron has missed one game. Anthony Davis has missed a game. Russell Westbrook has missed a game. Russ has been fantastic so far this season. And yet you're still not getting W's because you don't have enough other guys that can step up and do things. You look at the games the Lakers have won this season. Took, what, 28 points out of Lonnie Walker to get one of the wins? Because they need other guys who can consistently step up and fill roles. And more often than not, they're getting guys who are just kind of out there. Guys who aren't really moving the needle much for them. And that's because they're on veteran minimum contracts and they're not expected to do that kind of heavy lifting. So this Lakers team is really in a difficult position. And the front office has continued to have this bar of not necessarily, can we make this season more entertaining? See, that that's what it is for Lakers fans, right? Lakers fans, and look, myself included, they're watching what they've seen over the first 10 games, and they're saying, oh, no. Oh, no. We're doing this again? Oh, no, 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 no. That can't happen. This is last season. Last season was, as I said, I've said many times, the worst season in team history in terms of fan experience. It was awful. And nobody wants to go through that again. Nobody wants to go through a grind of a season where there's not much joy. There's not much to get excited about. And there's also no silver lining because you don't have a pick, right? This year, the Lakers will have a pick. They'll either have their their own or the Pelicans pick. But losing games doesn't help them because of that pick swap, right? Losing games does not benefit them in any way there's no silver lining right the lakers two and eight okay well let's let's talk about the trade market then maybe you pivot maybe you get into the victor Wembanyama tank race and then you get a generational star that you can build around for the next decade right maybe we're talking about that silver lining that's not there for the lakers because of that pick swap situation and you can go back and say well that just goes right back to the front office all over again why'd you give up so much in the anthony davis trade that probably should have been negotiated out of the deal. Again, the AD trade, you got to look at it as a success because they won a championship. But still, it's understandable why fans would be upset at the prospect that's sitting in front of them of potentially replaying last season. Now, I do think this team is different than last season's team, and there's enough reasons to think that it won't be quite that bad. But it's also a possibility. It's also a possibility, depending on how this season goes. But the Lakers front office, again, has not been looking at this as, can we make this season more enjoyable? Can we make this season, maybe not even enjoyable, more tolerable, more bearable? That has not been the question for the Lakers front office. As much as fans might look at it that way and say, oh my gosh, I can't sit through another season of this. The Lakers front office have been asking the question, can this move make us contenders? And it's possible that there's no move out there that will. And for the Lakers front office, they're looking at it as if we are going to give up both these future first, 2027 and 2029, we need this move to be the move, to be the move that's going to put us over the top, to be the move that's going to allow LeBron and Anthony Davis to contend. That's what we need. And if it doesn't meet that criteria, then what are we doing? Then aren't we better off waiting till next year? Aren't we better off waiting until... Next summer, when we've got the draft pick, whether it's the Pelicans pick or our pick, on draft night, they can move that pick. They can trade it. Stepien rule no longer applies when that draft pick isn't a pick anymore. It's a player plus the 2027 and 2029 pick plus cap space. They're looking at it that way. They might something come available at that point. So when we look at this team and and the Lakers front office is looking at this team and saying, 
they have to show that they're good enough to win. They have to show that they're good enough to just need a little bit of an extra push. Just need a little bit of extra help, and then we'll go find something out there on the trade market. But if the team is 2-8 and eight, as is, a little bit of extra help on the trade market isn't going to take them that far. Maybe it makes them a solid play-in team. But then what? That seems to be the mentality of the Lakers front office right now. And I'm not saying that I, I completely agree with that. I'm just saying I understand the thought process. If, there, if it's not something that is going to help us right now, then what are we doing? If it's not something that's going to help us contend, why do this? Why do this? We're just going to burn all of our ammo. We're going to fire all the ammo that we've got left, and then we're going to have nothing for next summer. We're going to have nothing for the future. Then we're really stuck. If whatever they do right now doesn't work, they really would be stuck at that point. They already put themselves in a tough spot with the Russell Westbrook trade. Trying to undo that is going to be very costly, and they get one chance at it. So I understand the hesitation from the Lakers front office. I also don't think it's completely the right thing to do, depending on what is out there on the trade market. I'll get into that. Um, essentially, when I look at what the Lakers are trying to do, when they're trying to figure out whether or not they should make a trade, when they're trying to figure out can they find something that's going to make them a contender, I don't know if that necessarily needs to be the exact criteria. I think what they need to do is figure out, can we find a trade that will make us better? Number one, I think that's that's important. Will it make us better? And number two, are we getting long-term pieces? I think that really should be the criteria, and that should be the shift that we're going to see from the Lakers front office. I'm hope, hoping that's what happens. Now, doesn't make us better is now a more complicated situation because of Russell Westbrook, because Russell Westbrook has been better. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This is a good thing that Russell Westbrook has been better. He's been, he's been one of the bright spots. He's been one of the fun things about this season. Who would have thought? But Russell Westbrook has turned things around enough to where we're enjoying watching him play. He's making connections with LA fans. People are chanting MVP when he's at the free throw line in LA. Like it's amazing what's happening with Russell Westbrook. So by no means am I painting this as a negative thing. But if you were the Lakers this past summer and you were looking at the trade market and you looked at, say, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, let's just throw those names out there. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Okay. We know those guys are positives. They can help us. How much? Not sure. But Russell Westbrook, he's a neutral, right? At best on the floor. All right, so if you swap out a neutral, maybe even a, a negative in Russ, and you bring in two positives, okay, right? That's that's a significant change. That's something that could make you considerably better, right? You're taking a player who isn't providing value on the floor, and you're replacing it with two players who do. Okay, great. Now you're getting somewhere. That's not the case anymore. Now, Russell Westbrook is providing positive value. Now, you could say what Russ does is not helping the team as much as what Miles Turner would do or Buddy Heal would do. That's fair. You can make that argument, and you could say part of that is just fit. The Lakers need a Miles Turner. They need a Buddy Heald. They need a Yaka Pertle, a Josh Richardson, whatever name you want to throw in there, more than they need the things that Russell Westbrook does. And again, that's, that's totally fair, and that's a rational argument, and it makes sense. But with Russell Westbrook playing well and not being a negative, getting those other players 
if it improves you, it might just be a fit improvement, but the amount that it improves you is now less because Russ is a positive and you're still losing games. So that's the challenge. Then you start to look at, okay, well then do you trade something else? Do you trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn is the combo we've been talking about. But then you can get one. You could get Miles Turner or Buddy Heald. Is that enough? You're not trading Russell Westbrook now. Is that enough to get it done? And then you got to factor in, what is this dude long-term? Buddy Heald has money into next year. Goodbye cap space. Can we re-sign Miles Turner? What's he going to want? Miles Turner dropped 37 points the other night. 37. He's having a great season. Much to the chagrin of Lakers fans. Yeah, look, they probably should have just done the trade on the, the night before media day. I've said it many times. I would have pulled the trigger on two firsts for uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. I'm intrigued by Miles Turner and Anthony Davis together. That said, I didn't see, foresee Russell Westbrook doing what he's done this season either. But what's Miles Turner going to want? Especially the way he's playing right now. Because what you can't do if you're the Lakers is trade for Miles Turner and then watch him walk away next summer. You have to figure out an extension with him. And it's also a challenge with Jakob Pertl, who has already said he's probably not going to do an extension. He wants to get more money in free agency. So if you go trade for Jakob Pertl, you give up those future picks, you get him from the from the Spurs, great. I think he definitely helps. The Lakers need, they need another big. I think it's clear as day. They need another center. You get him. What if he walks? What if he gets a big offer in free agency and he walks away? Then you just gave up those assets. You lost them for nothing. That's a path the Lakers have to consider when they're looking at this situation. You've got to factor in all of those things. Now, here's why. Here's why. And this is what I think a lot of Lakers fans will agree with. Here's why I don't think the Lakers are, are correct to not do something right now. Here's the problem with saying, well, we're going to kick the can down the road and we're going to preserve cap space. Okay. And let me illustrate here. This is the free agent list for this year, for this next year. Next summer, free agency right now. I talked about this here. I'm even going to enlarge the screen a little bit. This is via uh, Spot Track. For the podcast listeners, I'm going to read off some of the names here. We talked about it weeks ago that the problem is whenever you try to project out a free agent class, a number of guys will come to extensions. So when you look at a class and you go, oh, this free agent class looks fantastic. By the time you get there, it doesn't look nearly as good because so many of those guys have signed extensions. We're in an NBA era where a lot of players sign extensions because it just it, it makes sense for them to do that. So we look at this. Russell Westbrook. Okay, he's a free agent. Chris Middleton. He's a free agent. Remember, the Lakers will probably have about 30 million. So keep this in mind. About 30 million, 25 to 35 million, somewhere in there. A lot of particulars. James Harden. Okay, we already know he's going to stick with the with the uh, Sixers. Kyrie Irving. Do you want him at this point? Sounding like no, the Lakers aren't interested in trading for him right now. I don't know if that changes by the summer. If you've got 30 million, he would have to take a pay cut. He'd have to take a pay cut to cover the Lakers. Kristaps Porzingis. Is that the guy that you want? Kevin Love, he's definitely not getting $30 million again. He's not been a bad player, but D'Angelo Russell? Do we, do we want to welcome our old friend back to LA? Al Horford, Nikola Vucevic, making $25 million this year. He's probably not going to make that again, but okay. He's a, he's a solid player. 
Draymond Green, you're going to bring in Draymond at his age and with his shooting ability. Is that going to be the fit that you want? I mean, he's a fit defensively, but offensively, eh, not so much. Fred Van Vliet, is he leaving Toronto? And are you going to spend that money on a point guard? That really what you want to spend your money on is a point guard. Harrison Barnes, he's just fine. Look, I would not hate getting Harrison Barnes at all. But how much does that change things? Jeremy Grant, Portland, pretty unlikely to watch him walk away after giving up assets to get him. Miles Turner, there you go. Maybe you can go spend money on Miles Turner, but if you have 30 million in cap space and you got to spend 24 million to get Miles Turner, there goes all that space when you could have done something and you could have got Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, right? Bogdan Bogdanovich, just fine. Again, Karis Levert, Gary Trent Jr., Malik Beasley, Derek Rose, Christian Wood, one of my favorites, but what are you going to spend there to, to get him? Is Dallas really going to let him go? Terrence Ross, Brooke Lopez, and Brooke Lopez, they should have kept years ago. Josh Hart, our, our old buddy has a player option. Dylan Brooks, Reggie Jackson, <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker, wouldn't that be something? THT declines his player option and then comes back to the Lakers. Not, that's not going to happen. Alec Burks, Danny Green, still recovering from injury. On and on and on. Seth Curry would be a great fit. Look, the bottom line is there's some decent players. There's some players that you could get, right? But did you hear anybody where you went, huh, if I put that player on the Lakers alongside LeBron and AD, that would equal championship because that's what we're talking about. In order for the Lakers to have all that cap space, it's going to be a team with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, whoever you sign, and then the rest, essentially veteran minimums. You'd have a room exception, but that's about it. So it would be a team that wouldn't look all that different from this style of roster build that the Lakers have right now. Now, maybe you chop up that 30 million and you go get three players and you do 10 million a piece. And wouldn't it be ideal if you could get Harrison Barnes and Seth Curry and somebody else, right? Andrew Wiggins is off. He already signed an extension, right? The other guys have already signed extensions, but that would be the best case scenario. That's your best case. But you know, some of these guys are going to wind up signing elsewhere. So you can't exactly bet on that happening. So if you're the Lakers and your thought process is we need to preserve cap space for free agency, I don't see a market that makes sense to do that. I think you're better off spending your free agency money this season now as long as this is the key. This is the key. As long as that money, that salary cap space, whatever you're going to use those picks on, are players that can help you win in the future. I understand the Lakers front office looking at the situation they're in right now and saying, I don't know if I can save this team. I don't know if Miles Turner and Buddy Heald saves this team. I don't know if Yaka Pertle and Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott saves this team. I don't know if it does. It makes this team better. Does it save this team? I understand that line of thinking. But if you get pieces that can help you in the future, that is what matters. Because essentially you're doing your free agent spending now, in season. And you're getting the added benefit of making this current season more watchable. See, that's that's the thing, right? You're giving your fans what they want. You're doing your free agency spending a little bit early, essentially. You've got to part with some picks in order to get it done, but there's no guarantee you're getting these guys in free agency anyway. And if you wind up, if you say, tank the season, punt away, let's make fans watch 
another season of this. And then you get to next summer, you get to July, and Seth Curry stays with the Nets, and Harrison Barnes goes and signs with, I don't know, the Dallas Mavericks or something like that, right? Stuff happens, and you miss on your main targets, then where are you at? If the opportunity is there to grab some guys right now that can be long-term assets, I'm talking about not guys who are 33, 34 years old. This is why the Boyan Bogdanovich thing never made sense. Because if you can get a 26-year-old Miles Turner, if you can get a 29-year-old Buddy Heald even, two years from now, LeBron sails off into the sunset. Maybe the Lakers decide, okay, you know what? We need to do a full teardown. We need to do a full teardown. Guess what? You can flip Buddy Heald at that point. You can flip Miles Turner at that point, right? Assuming you sign an extension. You can flip Jakob Pertl or Josh Richardson or McDermott, or, right? You, got, you have to get assets that you know are likely to be assets a couple of years from now so you can pivot if need be. You can turn those guys into draft picks, say. You want to rebuild? Great. Let's turn these guys into draft picks and we can replenish those picks that we lost. But the key is you can't move those guys for stuff that move those picks for stuff that can only help you win right now. You've got to be fairly certain that whatever move you make, if it's not going to put you over the top immediately, you're going to have to go into next summer and try to regroup a little bit, use your mid-level exception, do some things there in order to try to make a deal, make something work and make something come together. The guys that you get right now have got to be good enough to help you now, but also be relevant into the future. That's the qualifier. And so if I'm the Lakers, that's what I'm looking at. Can I find some guys who can help me win right now, who fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then can make things work next season, the season after maybe. And then from there, if I need to pivot and trade those guys away, okay. And maybe ideally I can get first back for those guys and I can replenish the 2027 to 2029 picks if need be. That's what I'm looking at if I'm the Lakers because you can kill two birds with one stone. If you can find the right deal, you can make this team better. Now you can satisfy Lakers fans and, and you can potentially set yourself up to recoup some of that draft capital in the future. If, and when you decide to tear it down and rebuild, got to find the right guys though, has to be the right players. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not, it's much easier said than done. So I understand why the Lakers are looking at this situation and saying, I don't know if we can save this team. I don't know if we're a Miles Turner and Buddy Heald away, but you know what? You can make this team better by finding a move right now, and you can still give yourself options into the future. You can still give yourself some flexibility, not as much flexibility, but again, when you're looking at the free agent list for next year, unless there's some sort of a trade that you're going to help facilitate with that cap space, that 30 million in space, I don't think it goes very far. I don't think it goes far enough to suddenly put yourself in a different position where LeBron and AD, and now you've got a bunch of depth, I don't think you're getting that. You're not rebuilding that roster next summer. What you're going to get instead is LeBron, AD, a couple of guys, and then the rest vet minimums again, and it's a similar roster build to what you've got right now. That's the problem. That is the problem. Now, if they had $40 million, $50 million in cap space, this would be a different discussion if they had more room to play with. Now, Maybe that gets into the nuclear option, which is next summer you trade AD. Or by the trade deadline, you trade AD. And then you're building around LeBron and you've got a mountain of cap space. You've got LeBron and 80 million in cap space or something. 
that'll be a little bit less than that. But Le- LeBron and 70 million in cap space. And then you're building from there and you've still got your picks and you can really, you can go out there and do some big things on the trade market. You can do some big things. That's, that's a different discussion. And I don't know if maybe that's really what the Lakers are thinking. If they are, okay, that, that's, some, that's some serious moves there. But in lieu of that, unless that is your plan, I think you need to investigate everything that you can right now because I really think there may be an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone to help make this season more enjoyable. Maybe not a championship team, but make it better without also torpedoing your long-term plans. But it's got to be the right player on the right contract. If it's Miles Turner, great. If it's Jakob Pertl, great. If that deal isn't there, unfortunately, you have to stay patient. All right, I went on longer than I intended to just on that topic. But there's also some rumblings out there from Howard Beck. And this is... You know, Howard was on our show the other day uh, for Sports Illustrated. He, he, he's fantastic. And for Sports Illustrated, he was on with, uh, with Mannix and had this to say. Said, I'll add one thing without going into detail, but I was canvassing a bunch of front office folks last week when I was workshopping my idea of can the Nets tear down? Should they just tear down? Would they uh, reasonably get for Kevin Durant? Uh, he on and on. He said, and in those discussions, when I brought up the Lakers, the pushback I was getting was they're waiting for a specific player that they're not doing the Pacer deal, that they won't do the Kyrie deal. Now that we for sure thought they would do a couple of months ago. It's an indication. The Lakers are waiting for a bigger piece to come loose and that they think they can trade Westbrook and the two future first for and Mannix pushed back and said, yeah, well, okay, who is this guy? And Beck said he would tell him offline. So he, he didn't want to put that out there into, into the universe exactly who that player is. But Mannix also speculated that, hey, like the Lakers probably aren't going to be able to get this guy. If this guy is that good, some team's going to outbid them. And Beck said, yeah, that's kind of my thought as well. This, this is concerning to me. This is concerning to me. If the Lakers, um, I don't know who this is. And we could speculate wildly about who this mystery player could be. But if this is truly... The plan is we're going to wait and we're going to wait and we're going to wait and player X, this mystery superstar is going to become available and we're going to trade for that player and that's going to solve everything. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried because that goes right back 
into the three-star model mindset. The Lakers, they, I think, stumbled upon the next era of NBA roster building when they won the championship in 2020. Kawhi said no. Kawhi said, I'm going to go join the Clippers. All right. Rob Palenka had a great plan B, pivoted, signed guys like Danny Green and brought a bunch of players in, brought in depth. Great. Added that to, to KCP, players that, that were holdovers, Alex Caruso. Um, you already had JaVale McGee. You go bring in Dwight Howard. At first, it was going to be Boogie Cousins. But anyway, the Lakers did a nice job pivoting, right? As it turned out, they built a team that had the depth, that had the size, that had the skill, that had the shooting ability to support LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they won a championship. And they were great. This wasn't like, oh, they went on some crazy postseason run or something like that. They were the number one seed in the West going into the playoffs. They had just beaten right before the pandemic hit. They had just beaten the top two teams in the NBA that were vying for maybe a championship with them, the Clippers and the Bucks. They'd just gotten wins over those teams. They were good. They were very good. And that model hadn't really been the go-to yet, right? Before that, it was, oh, everybody needs a big three because that's what Boston had when they won back with Pierce and Garnett and Ray Allen. And then, you know, of course, the Miami Heat took that a step further when they had LeBron and, uh, and you had Wade and you had Bosch, right? So you had this big three concept that was still out there, right? And that was, that was kind of the goal, right? The La- that was what the Lakers wanted. They wanted Kawhi, they wanted LeBron, they wanted Anthony Davis, put the three of them together. Doesn't matter who else is on the team. Doesn't matter. As long as you've got those three, you're going to win games. Right. And everybody else is going to take a discount to come sign up and all that. And it's worked in the past. I'm not saying it's wrong if you get the three players that you need together. But we're seeing more and more in the NBA that what's happening is if you have any kind of weak link, teams will tear you apart. Teams will target that wink link, weak link, and they will go after it over and over and over again. Just look at the Lakers. Look at the Lakers these past couple of years. What's been their weakness this season? It's been shooting last season, too. So teams just pack the paint like crazy. Pack the paint, pack the paint, pack the paint. Don't bother defending any of their perimeter shooters. But if you have a weakness like that, it makes it hard to win. So you have to have a well-rounded roster. You have to have guys who can shoot, guys who can defend, guys who can ideally defend multiple positions, guys who are smart basketball players. Well, guess what? Those kinds of players don't come cheap. You're not getting those kinds of guys on veteran minimum deals. So how do you build out a well-rounded roster ready to win in today's NBA if you have three stars and they're surrounded by all these guys on veteran minimum contracts because those three stars take up all the space? The only way you do that is if you have players that are already under contract that you have bird rights on, and therefore you can exceed the cap to pay them what their market value is. And that would mean giving Alex Caruso $8 million a year. Gasp, right? The horror of paying Alex Caruso his market market value or KCP or JaVale McGee or any of these other guys. You have to already have those guys on your team when you add that third star. So guess what? We can pay more and continue to pay and off we go. Then we really have depth plus the three stars. That's the only way the three-star model is going to work is if you have the depth in place already and you've got those bird rights built in. That's the only way it's going to work. Unless you unless the three stars are... Jokic, Jokic, Luka, and Giannis or something. Right then, okay, build out a team with better minimum guys and they're, they're still going to be dominant. And that's the, the Miami Heat build. So who's this mystery player that the Lakers can go get? If that's really 
what the plan is and you don't already have the depth in place that I'm talking about, then what are you doing? All that's going to happen is you're going to perpetuate the issue, the muck that you're stuck in right now, even if that player is a better fit than Russell Westbrook has been. And again, take nothing away from Russ. He's been great this season. But even if that player is a better fit, all you're going to do is perpetuate the current problem that you have at this moment, that you don't have enough guys around those stars to do the things that you need to do. So if the plan is let's wait until star X becomes available, that's worrisome. And here's the problem. And I think Beck and, and Manix spoke to this. If that guy is good enough, whoever this is, this mystery man, is good enough to take LeBron AD plus him and make that, surrounded by veteran minimums, a championship contending team, you're not getting him for Russ and two first. Other teams are going to outbid him, outbid you for him. If he's not good enough, if you if you can get him for Russ and two first, he's not good. He's not going to be good enough. Unless there's someone out there that we are not thinking of. Someone out there that is going to just take this team to another level. And I look, LA has always been about stars, and I get it that LA, look, they, they want to have their stars that they can market, and you need the next guy after LeBron and AD. I don't know if he's it. And so there's going to be some appeal to, hey, let's get the next guy in the door now. But how are you winning with that guy, LeBron and AD, if you can get that guy for just Russ and two first. How are you getting that player? That's what, maybe there's something that I'm missing and Lakers fans can let me know, but I threw this out there on Instagram at Lakers nation official. I asked Lakers fans, what, what would you do in this situation? And almost everybody said I would do something. Lakers fans want something done. I don't think this pie in the sky, if this is accurate, if this is true, I remodel surrounded by veteran minimums into a championship contender. That's what we're going to wait for. I don't think Lakers fans are okay with that. Nor should they be. That's perpetuating what we've seen for the last two years. Maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe you find a better fit again. And maybe you do find your guy that's going to be the person you want to build around moving forward. But then you're not building out a true team until LeBron and AD are off. So unless that's your plan, hey, we're going to next summer, we're going to move AD, we're going to bring in this other guy, and then we're going to build out a roster with cap space somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe there's some path that I'm not seeing, though. It's possible. Maybe there's something that I'm not seeing out there that the Lakers can do, and they're going to bring in this guy, and everything's going to be great, and everything's going to be sunshine and all that. But that report that report worried me more than than anything else. If we're still stuck on this three-star model, I don't think that's the path to victory in today's NBA. The Lakers Nation, you guys can let me know. What, are you on board with that? If that is the plan, again, we should put that at this very much as an if, it's a hypothetical. If that's the plan of the Lakers are going to wait, and they're going to use these picks, and they're going to use Russ's contract, and they're going to get a star, are you on board with that? with building the team that way again. Let me know your thoughts in the comments section.
All right, again, I've gone on way too long on this stuff because this is what happens when I start talking Lakers basketball. I wind up going into overtime, but let me get into some of the fan questions and comments here um, before we have to, to wrap up the show. Actually, you know what? Before I get into that, I do need to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is No House Advantage. Um, they do an absolutely fantastic job. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit on all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, overs, unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code LakersNation at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right, let's get into our fan questions and comments here. Starting off, this comment says, no one trade could bring this team to playoff contention. Rob Palenka is not JC. I think he's not talking about Jordan Clarkson, although Jordan Clarkson did shoot suspiciously well. (laughs) But still, I'm assuming those those initials are not standing for Jordan Clarkson there. Uh, We need a miracle. Money talk approach needed for future rosters. So is that a money ball approach? Maybe I'm wondering, but no one team can bring this trade to playoff contention. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, and I'm essentially in agreement with that, unless it's some monster trade that we don't, we're not imagining is out there. Yeah. I don't know that there's one trade that can bring you to playoff to true contention, like title contention, playoff contention. I think you can. The question for the Lakers, again, going back to what I've been talking about is, Can you make this season better, better enough to where it's an enjoyable fan experience? You turn things around in terms of just the the aura around this team and you get stuff that's going to help you in the future as well. Pieces that you can build around and you can say, okay, next summer we've got LeBron, we've got Buddy Heald, we've got Miles Turner, we've got Anthony Davis, hang on to Austin Reeves, we've got our mid-level exception, let's use that and let's see what we can do from there, right? That's probably your, your best case, your most optimistic scenario. And then you're also improving this season as well. So that's, you know, that's the question for uh, for the Lakers. Sent by NFT. Said Beverly, Nunn, and Lonnie. Well, Lonnie can't be traded until December 15th. So that's a little bit of a wait. And two first-round picks for Rogier and P.J. Washington. Now, I don't know if you want to move on from Lonnie or not. You're stuck in a, in a, a Malik Monk situation where, let's say Lonnie, and Lonnie's been a pleasant surprise this season. He's been better than I expected him to be. But let's say he continues to have a good season. You don't have bird rights on them. So if you do a trade, go get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald or whatever, your chances of keeping Lonnie Walker are not very high. But then if you don't do a trade, sure, you can keep Lonnie Walker, but there goes some of that cap space. So instead of going and getting Harrison Barnes and Seth Curry and Nikola Vucevic, okay, you probably really can't get all three of those guys with 30 million, but you're talking about getting one of those guys, maybe, and keeping Lonnie Walker. That's not that appealing. 
okay, we're going to build the team around Harrison Barnes, Lonnie Walker, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's what we're starting from, and everybody else is a veteran minimum. Yikes. That's the problem facing the Lakers. So I don't know if you necessarily have to include Lonnie in a deal or, or not. Um, trying to do this, giving up both first for Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, I don't know if that's the move. But you're keeping Russ? Okay. And I guess you would have bird rights on Russ technically. So you could, in theory, keep him. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily hate it, but I don't know that that's exactly the move they, they should make. Uh, Schroeder. Oh, Schroeder is the savior. Wait until he gets back. Is, that, is, this, is this like mocking the, the Trevor Ariza takes from last year? I said it a bunch of times last year. The Lakers, they needed Trevor Ariza's skill set even though it was fair to question whether or not he could be that anymore. They were just screaming for a wing. They needed a wing player. Um, still need wing players right now. But Schroeder is the savior. Must wait until he gets back. Look, Schroeder's not going to save this team, but I think he can help, if nothing else, because Kendrick Nunn has struggled a bit. Now, he did score uh, against the Jazz, but Kendrick Nunn has not quite lived up to expectations for the Lakers. I think that's fairly clear. So Schroeder is at least giving you a little bit more guard depth, particularly if Patrick Beverly is out, or if you decide that you're going to make a trade, you're going to trade Pat Bevan Nunn, or you're going to trade Russell Westbrook. Schroeder gives that kind of insurance policy where that'll kick in and he can continue to give you solid guard play. I think he should be back pretty soon. Hoping for good news later this week. Uh, we should rebuild for next year and keep the picks. Well, I've gone over that uh, throughout the show, what that would look like. And if there's nothing out there that you think is going to, if the stuff that's out there is going to make you, you don't think it's going to make you a title contender and it's not stuff that's going to help you in the future, then yes, you just, you keep the picks and you and you keep the status quo and off you go and, and you lament being stuck in that situation. But if you can find something that can be pieces for the future too, I'm not opposed with moving those picks as long as you can flip those pick those, whatever you get, those players for picks in the future and look nothing is for sure in this league right nothing is for sure right i mean brandon roy right at one point would have been worth all the picks and then a season later he's not and he's not worth anything right because he's got and this was terrible i hated seeing what brandon roy, roy went through but after that i mean teams weren't going to trade for him so that's always a risk right if you move the picks and you get players and your idea is sometime down the road you can flip those players for picks when it's time to rebuild it's not always going to work out that way. But to the best of your ability, projecting things, that's what you're looking at. Can those players most likely be flippable down the road? Should they continue to progress? Vector Nova said, Trevor, would you say that the Jazz are the exact team that the Lakers bench should be in terms of roster construction? This deep Jazz team smoked us twice. Also, they, have, they just have picks to go get someone. Yeah, I mean, look, the Jazz, as of this recording, are number one in the West. They're the front office set them up to tank and they're doing like a, they're doing the major league here where they're taking that and they are flipping it on its head. They're offended by it and they're going out there and playing like they have something to prove each and every night and you got to give them credit. But yeah, I mean, look, if you were to add, if you took this jazz team and you put LeBron and AD on it, yeah, this is, I mean, it's pretty much exactly the kind of supporting cast that you would want. Right, you've got guys who can shoot. You've got guys who can defend a little bit. They're not a great defensive team, 
but you've got guys who will cut, who will do things off the ball, who are selfless, who are okay with somebody else taking the shot. They're okay taking the shot if it's if it comes to them. They play a very team-friendly game. Yeah, I mean, this, this is essentially the supporting cast that we've been hoping for, right, for the Lakers. Now, maybe you can say, well, I would prefer a more traditional center on a roster or something, you know, but Walker Kessler can do that. So, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. This Jazz team is pretty much the, the supporting cast, the bench construction that the Lakers wanted forever, particularly in their shooting ability. My goodness, that team just does not miss. I think regression is going to hit them at some point. They're not going to stay this hot forever. Even so, they're, they're playing a solid brand of basketball. Jordan Guerrero said they should call up Jay Huff. We talked a lot about how the Lakers really need another center, that Anthony and Anthony Davis has asked for the team to get another center and doesn't want to play center. He said this many times. Um, would prefer to play the power forward. He's also said he will play center if that's what the team needs. But Jay Huff, I don't know if he fixes everything for you. Maybe he's worth a look, but how do you bring him up? He's not on a two-way contract, so that means you have to have a roster spot for him, which you don't. You'd have to cut somebody in order to bring him up. Your two-way contracts are Max Christie. That's and I'm sorry, Max Christie's on a full contract. Your two-way contracts are Scottie Pippen Jr. and Cole Swider. So you'd have to cut one of those guys in order to bring up Jay Huff. So while we might look at this and say, well, the Lakers need a center, Jay Huff is a center, let's do this. You have to make a move in order to make that happen, either taking someone off of the act of the full roster or cutting loose Cole Swider or Scottie Pippen Jr. in order to do it. Apparently, they're not willing to make that move right now. Federico said Celtics, 76ers, Denver, Suns, Minnesota. All of them are tanking teams with the Lakers, and we're the only team that didn't value their assets. All them tanking teams with the Lakers. Oh, back when the Lakers were tanking, I'm assuming we're, we're talking about. Um, back in, you know, like 2016 or whatever. Yeah. The the Lakers, that we could do a whole show on the Lakers' mismanagement of their assets. But the bottom line is the Lakers way, way too many times. I mean, once is too much. They let assets essentially expire or let them just disappear into nothing without flipping them over into other assets, into other pieces, right? Um, you traded Avica Zubats to get Mike Muscala and Mike Muscala played half a season and then went somewhere else. So there's an asset that just poof, disappeared, right? You did a great job finding Avica Zubats. He's a good player. Now he's been starting for the Clippers for years and you took that asset and you let it just disappear. Nothing. Got nothing out of it. Alex Caruso. You built him up through the G League, through the South Bay Lakers. He was your first ever two-way contract. He becomes a key piece to a championship team. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA at the guard position, just kind of makes winning plays, all of that stuff. You, you built him into an excellent NBA player. Poof. Gone. Because you didn't want to pay him. You decided that you were going to let that asset disappear into nothing and get nothing for it rather than pay him. That's again, that's a choice that you make. I mean, we go on and on. I mean, look, Kyle Kuzma and, uh, you know, Montrez Harrell and KCP, you can talk about the Westbrook trade certainly, but that's the big one. But the little ones are pretty damaging too. Julius Randle. Julius Randle was a seventh overall pick. And Julius Randle was a restricted for finally, 
the Lakers had a restricted free agent. It felt like they never had a restricted free agent and every player they wanted to go after was restricted. You look down the free agent list, you go, oh, the Lakers could go get this. Oh no, he's restricted. Finally, the Lakers had a restricted free agent and Julius Randle went to them and said, hey, uh, it's hard getting offers when you're a restricted free agent. Can I not be a restricted free agent? Will you guys just waive me? And the Lakers said, oh, you don't want to be here? Okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. No problem. No, we don't, we don't want that advantage. Same thing they did years later with, with Caruso. The, one of the big selling points of the Russell Westbrook trade was it didn't hard cap you. You weren't hard capped like you would have been had you done a sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan. So you weren't hard capped. The Lakers had the advantage. They could pay THT and Caruso. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. No, we don't want that advantage. Alex, go sign with Chicago. We're not going to use that advantage. They did the same thing with Randall. We've got you as a restricted free agent. That gives us some leverage here in this situation. No, thanks. We'd prefer to not have that advantage. Now, you could argue the Lakers took the room they freed up with Randall and they signed Rondo and Rondo helped them win a championship and all that. So like that worked out. But still, you let a fairly a decently valuable asset walk away had you moved him sometime the season. But if you just decided, you know what, we don't want to be in the Julius Randle business anymore. We don't think he's a fit or whatever. Then move him at the prior trade deadline. Trade, get something for him. If it's a protected first, if it's a couple of seconds, something. And then you can still go sign Rondo. But the Lakers too many times have let these young players that they found disappear into nothing. Thomas Bryant, the first time around, they waived him in order to keep Avica Zubats so that they could turn around and trade Avica Zubats for Mike Muscala and then just let that disappear into nothing. They've also traded second-round picks to move some of these guys. They gave up a second-round pick to get Reggie Bullock, trading away Svee Mikhailuk in the process, which obviously, I mean, look, Svee hasn't really stuck, stuck in the NBA, so that's fine, and Reggie Bullock's been good. But guess what? Reggie Bullock walked away too. So that second-round pick that you added to Sfi Mikhailuk in order to get Reggie Bullock gone. It turned into nothing. And they've done this over and over and over again. And that's not what good franchises do. They don't let assets simply expire and turn into nothing. And that's where it can snowball. And it all builds up to a point where suddenly you look around and you don't have any assets left because you never flipped any of them over into anything that would stick around. You let them all either walk away in free agency, just kind of expire, disappear, and you got nothing out of it. That's a problem. Tony, why is Damian Jones always trying to dunk, trade him? Well, that's kind of his thing, poster dunks. That's what he does. Tried to do. <laughs> Hasn't done it well this year, um, but that's his thing. Is he's He can jump higher than most players his size can jump. And so... He likes to get up and throw down dunks. And when he does, it can be breathtaking. I've not seen much of that this season, but that's why. That's that's like one, that that's his thing that, that he's supposed to do well. And again, did not do it well the other night. Uh, Jakub said, should we bring the Ball brothers home? Well, I mean, Lonzo's got some serious knee issues going on. I'm, you know, fingers crossed. I hope that he has a, a, a full recovery there, but I don't know how that's going to look. Um, I don't know how you're getting LaMelo. LiAngelo, I suppose you could go pick up, but I don't, that's not going to change a whole lot for you. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the path for the Lakers. Uh, and then side note, seems inevitable that a young star would like access to the LA market. 
yeah, probably at some point. The Lakers are always going to have that advantage. Um, it's not like it used to be where you weren't getting media coverage if you were playing, if you weren't playing in LA or New York or Chicago. Now that there's the internet and everybody's connected and, and all of that and social media and everything, um, it's much easier for a player to, you can build your brand in Portland. You can build your brand in New Orleans. You can build your brand in Oklahoma City. It's still not the same. There's still there's advantages to being in LA, to being in New York, to being in Chicago, to wherever. But it's not like if you're if you're a true top tier star and you're in Orlando, you're still going to get press. You're still going to get coverage. It's going to happen if you're that good. So while, yes, the L.A. market is still going to be a draw, it's not like it used to be. I don't know that. So I look at it this way. It can be a tiebreaker, the L.A. market. And again, it varies for, from person to person. For some people, it may mean a lot being in the L.A. market. For other people, it might not at all. But in general, I look at it as where it used to be, get me to LA, get me to, to New York. That's the only way I'm going to be a star. That's how I'm going to really get the endorsements and, and all that kind of stuff. That's how it used to be. Now it's more, yeah, like LA helps, New York helps, but winning is the most important thing. If I'm winning, the endorsements are going to find me. If I'm in Orlando, if I'm in New Orleans, if I'm wherever, if I'm winning, endorsements will find me. So if I've got two options, and I view both of those teams as equal, both the front offices as equal, the rosters as equal. They both give me an equal option to win. And one is in Oklahoma City and one, in, one is in LA. Okay, LA market breaks the tie. I'm going there. And maybe even a little bit more than that, like if it's if the OKC roster is a little bit better, but it's LA. Okay, it's got some pull there. But it's not like it used to be, where OKC can offer a chance to win right now and LA can't. And oh, no, I'm still going to LA because of that market. It's not quite like that anymore. Uh, Haley said trade Russ and two firsts, one protected for Turner, Heald, and Tice. Then trade, oh, getting spicy. Trade AD for DeRozan, Vucevic, and a pick. Then trade none and a second for Reddish. Okay, so the Pacers thing we've talked about, will the Pacers do a protected first? They wouldn't before. I don't know if anything's changed enough for them to do it now, but all right, let, let's just say that's out there. Maybe that's why you're including Daniel Tice. The Lakers are agreeing to take on some extra salary. Okay, so that gets you out of two unprotected first by taking on Tice. One becomes protected. Fine. Then you're trading AD. That's the big move, trading AD. And you're getting DeRozan, Vucevic. Are you going to get DeRozan, Vucevic, and a pick for AD? You probably should. I don't know. Does Chicago do that? Vucevic is expiring, so you'd have to re-sign him. And he's getting up there in years. Like, does that make the Lakers significantly better? Vucevic is a very different player than Anthony Davis. DeRozan's good, but we had a lot of fit concerns about DeRozan, the same fit concerns we had with Russell Westbrook. So what's your starting lineup then? You're getting two centers in that? Turner's are, Turner gushed about finally getting to play center and not having to play alongside another big, which is he was playing with Sabonis before talking about how he finally gets to play his position and how he's going to have a breakout season because now he gets to play center. I don't think Turner's going to be going to want to stick around. He's not going to sign an extension if the Lakers say we're going to keep Vucevic long-term because that would push Turner to play power forward. He's not going to want to do that. So that's the problem with that is you're going to lose Turner if you put him next to Vucevic. 
But I get the idea. You're saying make multiple trades, stack together some players, and see what you can do. And then you're building around LeBron, Turner, Heald, DeRozan, Busevich. You've got more depth there. Reddish, so you've got more wings. You still have Dennis Schroeder. You still have Austin Reeves. You still got you know, Lonnie Walker and some other players to go with there. It's it. The idea isn't too crazy or anything like that. Just execution-wise, the Turner-Busevich situation would logistically make this really tough. Uh, Super Dope Hip Hop said, blaming year 20 Braun or any year 20 player for not being elite at 37, 38 years old and the main reason the Lakers are down over Palenka and ownership is insane. Yeah, they're like LeBron has been polarizing from the get-go from when he arrived uh, back when LeBron first announced he was coming to the Lakers. I remember the initial reaction from Lakers fans was probably about 50-50. 50% were excited he was coming, 50% saying we don't want him. Uh, there was the remnants of the LeBron versus Kobe thing was still out there, and it was just kind of still lingering in the Lakers fan base. So I, I think some of that kind of gets drudged back up. And then LeBron, frankly, has not been playing well so far this season. He hasn't been looking like himself. He's been sick. I still think he's going to get better. But um, but the point is still valid. Like, saying it's LeBron. Now, if you're... I think there's some fans who look at LeBron as the guy who's making front office decisions and the guy who really wanted Russell Westbrook. And we've heard rumors about that. So... If that's what people are upset with LeBron over, that's one thing. That's that's a different topic. Otherwise, I agree with what you're saying here, that saying LeBron not playing well over the first 10 games rather than the roster that's been put together and the situation the team is in right now is the problem, that, yeah, that's... I, I think that's putting the blame probably in the, in the wrong spot. So I'll agree with that. Joseph said, would you trade for Duncan Robinson if you could also get Max Struess? Taking on Duncan's contract wouldn't cost a first. No, you'd probably get a first for taking on Duncan Robinson's contract. Uh, I'd have to look at Max Struess, what he does. Uh, that way you get two shooters. Check that out. Uh, Miami Heat. Max Struess. Oh, he's on an expiring deal. So you're going to have to sign him. So you'd have to pay him next year. You do get two shooters. Duncan Robinson has... Three more years under contract. The final year is not entirely guaranteed in 2020, 25, 2026. So there's that. But it, he's still owed a lot of money. He's still a negative value contract. I think you have to get a first in order to do that, in order to clear that kind of money off Miami's books. But bottom line, would you be willing to do a trade for Duncan Robinson if you get Max Struess as well? Let's say you're clearing the books. Um, I mean, Kendrick Nunn and uh, Patrick Beverly for Robinson and Struess. You clear the books for Miami. They get two expiring contracts and the Lakers get two shooters. You have to be pretty convinced that Duncan Robinson is going to be a really good shooter. He's, I talk about players like this a lot, that the guys who are pure shooters, this is what they do and they don't do a lot else. They've got to be exceptional like 40 plus percent every single season if they're going to be worth their contract when you once you pay them. And shooting percentage isn't always the stickiest of stats. So that can be a challenge. That's where it can be dangerous paying a guy like a Duncan Robinson. And we talked about this when he signed his deal with the Miami Heat, that he's a guy where if his three-point percentage goes down like 4%, 
that's a big deal for a guy who most of his value comes from three-point shooting. Look, if LeBron goes from being a 38% three-point shooter to a 34% three-point shooter, that's not ideal, but he does so many other things. You, you just, okay, you just weather the storm and you just deal with it, right? If Duncan Robinson goes from being a 38% three-point shooter, and he, he should be higher than that, to a 34%, that you don't have a lot of incentive to put him out on the floor, right? Now, as of this point, right now, he is a 34% three-point shooter indeed. I was just pulling that number out of thin air. And he is indeed a 34% three-point shooter on the season right now in 11 games. So I think you got to get something back. Because at 34%, I don't know that Duncan Robinson is playable. Now, I think he's probably a better shooter than that for his career. He's a 40% three-point shooter. But yeah, I would need a pick coming back if I'm doing that, if I'm the Lakers. That's a lot of money that you're clearing off the books. And don't forget, then your future cap space plan, that's, that's gone. That's gone. You don't have that cap space anymore because Duncan Robinson will eat into most of it. Okay, maybe you'd have a little bit left over, but yeah, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be rushing to do that deal if I'm if I'm the Lakers. Uh, Daniel finished things out. Said might get crap for this. It's also extremely unlikely. But Russ and two picks for Buddy Heald and Turner. Then AD. Oh my goodness, AD to the Clippers for Paul George. Fixes the wing depth. Paul George who spurned the Lakers to join the Clippers after it looked like it was all but certain that he was going to become a Laker. Remember, the initial duo, maybe later trio, was not going to be Kawhi and LeBron and AD. It was going to be Paul George and LeBron. That was the initial plan. When Paul George was hitting free agency, he got the Pacers were looking to trade Paul George. He, wanted, he had demanded a trade. The Lakers didn't want to give up the assets in order to get him. Said, no, we know he's coming in free agency. We'll hang on to our assets. We'll wait till the summer. We'll sign him then. He gets traded to OKC instead. Paul George got upset that the Lakers didn't go and get him, didn't give up the stuff to go get him. And so he wind up, wound up re-signing with OKC. And then less than a year later, forces a trade to the Clippers because he still had that kind of ill will towards the Lakers and got to come back to LA that way. That would be kind of quite a swap. Um, do the Clippers want to do something like this? They're already dealing with injury issues with Kawhi. I mean, yeah, who knows when Kawhi is actually coming back or if he is, but it does fix your wing depth, but now you've got a, I mean, I guess you're getting Miles Turner in the deal, so you still have some rim protection there. Look, I mean, it's not going to happen. I'm going to say that. It's not, the, the Lakers and the Clippers aren't going to make this kind of a trade. In terms of fit, it's not the worst in the world. I think Anthony Davis at his best, and this is not a hot take at all. Anthony Davis at his best is better than Paul George at his best. And so you'd have to, if you're the Lakers, you'd have to believe that Anthony Davis isn't going to be Anthony Davis ever again, that he's just not going to get back to being his old self and that this is what he's going to be. And if that was the case and you feel like the fit is better, maybe you could talk me into it, but the Lakers and Clippers are not doing this trade. The only way the Lakers and Clippers are doing a trade is if, the Clippers know they're fleecing the Lakers, which is why the only Lakers-Clippers trade of recent memory, unless we want to go way back to like Norm Nixon and Byron Scott, is the Clippers absolutely stealing Ibiza Zubats from the Lakers. All right, everybody. Again, I went way longer than I had intended when I sat down to do this show. But once again, this is what happens when I sit down to talk Lakers basketball. Thank you, everybody, for, for joining me. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. 
Follow me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA over on Instagram. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.